In just a moment, Pastor Tony is going to charge Pastor Tony. Uh, but in the meantime, I, I was actually reading over uh, 1 Timothy, and um, at the very end of this letter in which Paul writes to young Timothy, um, he charges Timothy. And as I was reading these words, um, they're quite um, interesting and challenging, uh, to say the least. And so as I read these, um, yes, it's true, we're uh, charging Pastor Tony, but notice the words as they challenge, I believe, all of us. This is the final charge of Paul uh, to young Timothy. He says, but you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses, in the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideals of what is falsely known called knowledge which some have professed and in so doing have departed from the faith. Grace be with you all. Grace be with you all. Take your hymn books once again and turn with me to hymn number 373. All to Jesus I surrender. 373.
seated. Oh, it is a great privilege to have the uh, Murin family with us this morning, and uh, I don't know mom and dad that awfully well, but uh, things I've heard about you guys, it's uh, just great to have you with us this morning. And Grandpa, uh, I appreciated the wisdom of this man yesterday during our council, and so it is a great privilege to uh, introduce to you to Senior, Pastor Tony Senior. Good to have you with us this morning. That's you, brother. Good morning. Thank you, Pastor Bob, um, for uh, just allowing this opportunity to be able to share uh, with you. Thank you, uh, church, for taking Tony and Sarah under your wing these uh, past uh, couple of years. Um, uh, it sure means a lot to us, and uh, we've gotten to hear a lot about you guys from uh, from them and. Uh, we enjoyed the, the mission team that came down um, uh, last was June, June, um, and uh, just ministering alongside us, and so that was that was fun. And you guys learned too that that uh, scorpion uh, stings aren't fatal. There was there was some concern about that, I think, on some of the the team. But um, Tony, <coughs> congratulations uh, on this special day, and uh, and I, your mom and I had wondered if. This day wouldn't uh, come. We, uh, when uh, when you were three and Drew was one, you guys used to play church. And uh, remember, Drew used to get up on the footstool. He would lead us in a song, and we would sing a lot. We weren't sure what he was singing, but we would <laughs> kind of lead him. And then Tony would jump up, and he would say, "Here's the preacher, Tony," and he would preach, <laughs> and he would preach to us and. But this is a, a really a special, a special time, uh, a time to celebrate and uh, the honor and privilege that it is to, uh, to be a servant of Christ and to serve Christ and, and His church. Um, Paul uses the term bond servant or slave, and there's nothing that that compares to that. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for uh, your love for us, and uh, Lord, I just thank you for this uh, <clears throat> opportunity to be able to. Uh, be in your presence and uh, worship you. We thank you for the truth of your word. We pray that you would meet us this morning uh, in your word and that you would teach us and, and you would, uh, Lord, they would be your words and they would be words of encouragement and uplifting and challenge. And Lord, that we would be uh, transformed and changed, uh, Lord, by, by your spirit. We thank you for the, I thank you for this group of brothers and sisters that, that are here at Word of Life and for for their hearts and for their love for you. We thank you for it. Pray that you would continue to guide and bless uh, them. Thank you for this special day for Tony and Sarah to be able to uh, be recognized as a, as a bond servant uh, uh, to serve uh, Christ and the church. In Jesus' name, amen. When uh, <clears throat> Joanne and I uh, began our missionary service uh, well, many years ago, um, it was really with one purpose, and that was that uh, those who had never heard, uh, never had an opportunity to hear uh, about the Lord uh, would be able to do that, know that there's a creator God who loved them and, and sent his son Jesus uh, to, to make a way for eternal life. And I remember in my early years as a mission pilot uh, <clears throat> being uh, really impacted by the simple testimony of, uh, of a tribal man. And I would fly into this village. This was the, 
the village of the Yuki Indians. They were a nomadic group that had roamed the jungle for many years, and the mission that we worked with had contacted them. And, and as I would fly in, often I would see on the side, Benjamin, his name was, and uh, Benjamin would stand there uh, at the side of the airstrip, always with his eight-foot uh, bows and arrows and a big smile on his face. And, and one day I asked Benjamin, I said, Benjamin, uh, tell me about your, your salvation. And, and he couldn't speak uh, much Spanish, and I didn't speak Yuki, but he said these four words. He said, he said, Dios muerto mi tranquilo, and he patted his chest. God died me uh, peace. And so that, was, that, was, that impacted me because this was his testimony, that he, he had a peace, that, that he was a guy that, that ran and roamed the jungle and lived in fear of evil spirits, but now had an understanding that, that there was a God who loved him and sent Jesus, and now he had peace uh, with God. Uh, Benjamin didn't have much in this world, his bows and arrows and his, the bananas and yucca in his, in his garden, but he had this, he had this peace now because of uh, his understanding. Someone, so he was added to the body of Christ. And it's really about his church, that Jesus gave himself and, and, and loves his church uh, so, so very much. And that's you and me. It's not this building. Um, it's a great, we have a, have a place to meet, but the church, we are his body. We are the, the living uh, body of Jesus Christ. And, and, and we are his bride, the Bible says. And until Jesus comes to gather his bride, we have the privilege and the opportunity to, to carry on uh, the ministry that Jesus began. There were two things that Jesus said to the disciples concerning the church. He said, first of all, that, that, <clears throat> that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And he also said that he, when he would go, that he would send a comforter. He would send the Holy Spirit who was going to be the, the guide, uh, uh, and, and the guider of the church and the one that would lead. And we are called to be his church, um, not to just do church uh, or to go to church. Sometimes I think we get that uh, mixed up, and it, it, it it's, doesn't all end right here. Uh, we, it's great to get together and sing songs and worship the Lord and hear the preaching of the word and prayer and all of those things and testimonies. But this is, this is really uh, our time of, of uh, a practice time <laughs> when we get together and, and, and we grow together and we strategize and, and, and we're edified and we're built up. But then, and then on Monday, that's, that's when it begins for us. And that's when we get in the game. That's where we are to be the church out there. And so uh, this is, um, the Bible says we are his living body, immersed with God himself through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which Christ is the head, and we are to function, and we are to be active. <clears throat> we become an extension of his hands and his feet and his heart. When I think of living, uh, how do we live with purpose as his church? Yesterday, after the ordination, there was uh, one, and they had their lunch here. Uh, we weren't part of the ordination. We came after for, uh, for the lunchtime. And one of the pastors said, after all of the doctrinal and theological questions that they had asked Tony, he said, this was my last question. What are the, what are the two most important relationships for you? And um, his wife, with his family, and, then, and the Lord. Those were the two 
most. And I think living as, and this is so true, because if we live with real purpose as the church, it, it begins and it grows out of a personal relationship uh, and our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you say, I know that. It's so simple and it's true. And, and I was hoping maybe you'd share something deeper, but it's so foundational to, to ministry and to living as God intended us to live. And it's about keeping the main thing the main thing. The Apostle Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. I don't have the PowerPoint. If you have your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. Paul was very concerned that they could be uh, distracted. I think we saw that in the verses in Timothy that Pastor Bob read this morning, that they could be distracted from the purity and the simplicity of, of the gospel. And he says, but I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Jesus Christ. Paul's concern for the church was that, that, they, that they could, there would be a tendency to move away from what was the simplicity and the pureness of the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and our relationship to him. And when that happens, it becomes a slippery slope for us. And, and, and we slide and, we, and we, we move away from what is important and that moves us to complacency and comfort and apathy and just kind of going through the motions. We lose what is most vital for our lives when, we, when that happens, when it becomes about me and what I want and my agenda and not about Christ and his church. This happened to the children of Israel in the Old Testament. If you turn to 1 Chronicles uh, chapter 13, verses 1 through 5, David consulted with the, the captains. 1 Chronicles 13, verses 1 through 5. He consulted with the captains of thousands and the hundreds, even with every leader. David said to all the assembly of Israel, If it seems good to you, and if it is from the Lord our God, let us send everywhere to our kinsmen, who remain in all the land of Israel, also to the priests and Levites who are with them in their cities with pasture lands that they may meet with us. And then he says this, and he says, And let us bring back the ark of our God to us, for we did not seek it in the days of Saul. Then all the assembly said they would do so, for the thing was right in the, in the eyes of Israel. So David gathers everyone together and he says, We've got to get the ark of the covenant back. They had lost the Ark of Covenant. And he said it was important to get that, get that back. The Ark of the, the Covenant contained the Ten Commandments. That was God's uh, standard for holiness. They were the doctrines of God. The, the Ark of the Covenant contained the rod of Aaron that, that, but had a, that budded. It was a picture of the resurrection of, the, of new life. And, and the Ark of the Covenant contained manna, which was this amazing provision uh, uh, from God for the children of Israel during their time in the wilderness. And the Ark of the Covenant in the camp was a picture of, of God's, of a right relationship between God and the children of Israel. And it's a picture of God's presence in their life. It was, it was a picture of their salvation. There was so much in the, in the Ark of the Covenant and Tabernacle that pointed to, to, to the, the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the relationship uh, with the Lord. But, but along the way, somehow, they, the children of Israel had, had, had lost sight of its purpose, had lost sight of its specialness, had lost sight of its, of its value, and, and it got to a place where they, they had lost the Ark of the Covenant. It was taken from them. 
And we're going to look at just for a few minutes the events that led up to that. If you turn back to 1 Samuel chapter 2, we see where, <coughs> excuse me, Eli is the ruling judge. He is in the last of the line of judges. And, and, and the, the children of Israel in the Old Testament really wanted a king. Everyone else had a king. And they wanted a king. And, 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 and it really was not, in, it was not in God's purpose. God was really their king, but they didn't accept that uh, as, as God is their king. And so this was, this was outside of his purpose for them. And, and Israel kind of goes down this, this slope of just a, a state of spiritual decline and darkness. And during Eli's time of leadership, they, they, they really moved away from the Lord. They had really gotten off track. And, and they were going through the motions. They went to church. They, they did those things. But um, they were ritualistic. It was disconnected from a life that was passionate, uh, uh, a passionate relationship uh, with the Lord. And there were four things, and I, I think they can affect their own ministry, even uh, in our own church. And, Tony, as you guys begin ministry, I, and I, these four things I think were really important here that I want to mention. The first in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12, uh, is disobedience and undealt sin. There was, there was this sin. That the sons of Eli, were the Bible says, were scoundrels. He, and, and he allowed them to minister. It says they didn't know the Lord. They, they were worthless men. They were abusing the people, and they were living in sin. In verse 17, it says that the sin was so great before the Lord because the, the, the men, the sons of Eli, despised the offering of the Lord. And Eli had tried to deal with his, his kids on, on an occasion. But, <clears throat> but, it, just, but it just continued on. And, and, the, and the, if sin is not dealt with, if it's excused, if it's covered up, if it's just kind of pushed under the rug, the consequences will always uh, be so bad. They will. If we have sin in our lives, we can't maintain an ongoing relationship with the Lord. It's impossible. If we truly desire that relationship, that closeness to the Lord, we will hunger for holiness. We will desire holiness in our, in our lives. The second was uh, in, in chapter 3, verse 1, it says that the word of God was precious. Or it says, the, and, and in some translations, I think it says it was rare. That, and, and what that means is that, that God's word wasn't taught in those days. That they didn't know about, the God, about God's, God's word. It was removed. There was a lack of truth that was being taught. <clears throat> Today, it seems like there is no absolute truth. It's kind of like what everyone wants to believe. Whatever you choose to believe is, is really okay. It's up to you. Um, people don't tell the truth. Uh, we even have politicians that, that lie, and, and, and it seems like it doesn't matter to, to anybody anymore. And so often the world and, and its, its mindset and its cultural values that tries to push its way into the church and, and, and sometimes the word of God is questioned as to, as, as to its relevancy. Uh, and they'll say, well, that was okay. Because that, I mean, that happened hundreds of years ago. But today it's different. And we need to interpret uh, the word of God in light of today's culture. But let me say the truth and the authority of God's word has to be always in the picture. Not just signing a doctrinal statement. 
that I believe this. But that it would penetrate, that it would be authoritative in our lives, in our marriages, in our homes, in our church. God's word trumps cultural and generational divides. It hurts when it's preached because the Bible is what? It's a sword. What does a sword do? A sword cuts, and it cuts deep. And so God's word's going to hurt when, it, when truth is presented and is, and is taught. His word is, un, is, is the unchanging element. The Bible says that it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in, in, in righteousness. Do you, do you need change in your life? God's word can do that. Do you need help in your marriage? God's word can do that. Standing on truth sets us free and guides us along. The third thing we see with, with, uh, during Eli's time with the children of Israel uh, was uh, there was no passion for the lost. Uh, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 3, um, actually in verse 7, it, it, Samuel had been under the care of Eli for some time. And, and it says in verse 7 that Samuel didn't know the Lord. I think he was quite 12 years old at this time. And, and, and the, it says the word of the Lord hadn't been revealed to him. And it seems to me very possibly very, that, that Eli didn't really care anymore. And I don't know if he was just tired and just going through the motions, but, but it wasn't important to him that, that this young man didn't know the Lord. Can you imagine if your Sunday school teachers and your deacons and your pastors didn't care about your salvation? How is your passion for the lost? It's pretty serious stuff when we think about it. The Apostle Paul says in Acts 20, when he was saying goodbye to the Ephesian church, and he was talking to the, to the, to the elders of the church, he says this. He said, I am, uh, I am innocent of the blood of, of all of you because I have proclaimed to you the whole will of God. So Paul was, was very concerned about their salvation because, because he knew that the alternative to spending eternity with Jesus Christ was to spending eternity in eternal uh, hell, punishment and suffering. Revelation 20, verse 11 says, And I saw a great white throne, and him who seated on it, the heaven and the earth fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. And then it says, the sea gave up the dead, and, and, and they that were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This was the second uh, death. And then it says this, anyone whose name was not written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Life is too short for us to not be concerned that those around us, those that we work with, those that we're, those are neighbors are going into eternal suffering and damnation. There was no passion for the lost. The fourth and the final thing here this morning, that in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 3, um, this, this was such a bad time for the children of Israel. It just was. And, and they had this partial obedience. It says that, that the light in the temple would go out. 
In Exodus chapter 27, verse 20, and in Leviticus chapter, in chapter 24, they were instructed that the lamp was to continually burn all the time. And Eli and, and those guys were letting it go out. And I don't know if it was laziness or apathy, but they would just let it go out and they would relight it. But this was a picture of really of, 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 of what was going on and, and the lack of response on the part of the children of Israel uh, to, uh, to the Lord. How was our obedience to the Lord and the things that he's asked us? Can you think of the things that God has asked us to do? He's asked us to be proclaimers of the truth. He's asked us to be holy. Are we faithful? Are we obedient to those things? We need to guard ourselves just against just going through the motions, just putting in our time at church. It can lead to complacency and comfort, and that's not what God intended for us. He says, Jesus, I've come to give you life and that you would have abundant life and that it would be to the overflowing. That's what God desires for us. There was sin that was not dealt with. There was a lack of truth being proclaimed. There was no passion for the lost. And there was just kind of this partial obedience on the part of the children of Israel. And in 1 Samuel chapter 4, they went out to battle against the Philistines. And in the first round, it says that they lost about 4,000 men. And then they remembered about the Ark of the Covenant. And they said, oh, let's go back and get the Ark of the Covenant. And they went out, and, and in the second round, they, <coughs> they lost thousands of more lives, and they lost the Ark of the Covenant to the Philistines. God's presence had lost its value to them. It wasn't special anymore. They were religious and just going through their motions. God had become their backup plan. He was, the Ark of the Covenant was just this wooden box that was a lucky uh, charm for them to provide for them, to win their battles. How, is, how do you see God this morning? How is your relationship to him. How important is that? The, in Revelation, the, 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 uh, to the seven churches, the church at Ephesus, that seemed like they, on the outside, it looked pretty good. You know, they knew doctrine, they persevered, they, um, uh, <clears throat> they endured. But the, the challenge was that they had left their first love. And he said, get back to the basics. Get back to, to the beginning. And that would be a challenge this morning to, to you, Tony, as you begin ministry, to value that, that that would always be special for you. Don't compromise. David was so adamant about getting the ark back. But why? Because that was living in a way that God designed. God and, and, and David valued that, a God-centered relationship. Is your life, your marriage, your family this morning, is it Christ-centered? Or do you have other things as, as the focus gotten off of that and have other things 
taken the place. I think this morning that ministry and service in the church will lose all of its vitality, all of its value, if we compromise our relationship uh, to the Lord. If we allow ourselves to be moved from the daily presence of God in our lives. If other things take the place. As Paul said, dis distracted from the pure and simple message of the gospel. Let's pray. Father, again, we just say thank you for uh, your word. We thank you for the truth of it. I pray, Lord, that you would challenge us with, with these thoughts and that, <clears throat> Lord, we would value above all our relationship to you, that we would not allow, that we would uh, be proactive in, in maintaining that closeness to you, that specialness of being uh, side by your side lord i thank you again for for your love your goodness and your grace your forgiveness in jesus name amen